warp particles. Warp particles. Hi, this is Sean Ferrick from Trek Culture. You are listening to Spock the Week podcast. Welcome to Spock the Week, the show where two pals attempt to talk about Star Trek. Each week we will be discussing a different topic and bringing you some laughs, some jokes, and occasionally a Gregor rat. If you like what you are listening to, then please consider subscribing to us on the platform of your choice. And also you can follow us on Twitter at Spock Week, and also on Facebook by searching Spock the Week. If you like what you are listening to as well, you can support the show by visiting buymeacoffee.com forward slash Spock the Week pod. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Spock of the Week. This week, I am joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Gregor Cameron, not some random American from Toadstock Studios in the United States. Um, so don't let the accent fool you. It genuinely is, Gregor. How are you doing, my good man? Oh, I'm doing just fine, yeah. <laughs> that was awful. That was really oh, awful. <laughs> I think the jig is up. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. <laughs> good effort. Good effort, my friend. Good effort. Yeah, well, you know, you know I've got to try. You uh, got to, uh, God loves a tryer. <laughs> God loves a tryer. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for those of you uh, who, for some strange reason, are Gregor Cameron fans, Crabbit Ginger fans, unfortunately, due to his busy schedule, and the fact that he's having to move house this week, he is unable to record Spock the Week with me this week. So, um, in his place, Dan Decker, host of Bad Choices and Bourbon, has very kindly um, agreed to step in and fill in for Gregor. So, yeah, thank you very much for doing that. That's uh, it's always nice to have two people to uh, to bounce off of on these things. You know, it's no, I can talk for love and forever and a day and but it just gets boring <laughs> so it's yeah, nice well, to have something you know, to bounce off of. absolutely you know that's the whole nature of my show is to yammer on for uh, a good bit um, but not specific to star trek so it's always a pleasure to get to come around to um to my friends houses and talk about star trek <laughs> fantastic fantastic so what we're going to do this week ladies and gentlemen is we are going to talk about lower decks um now it's been released in the states now for a little while uh since last year um mm -hmm. so unfortunately it's taken a little bit of time to get over to the uk if you are listening in other parts of the world and you have not seen it please save this episode find a way to watch it and then come back because we will be talking about spoilers here we'll straight up spoil it for oh, sure. oh definitely definitely so if you in for some reason america and you haven't watched it go ahead and watch it if you are in the uk and you haven't watched it go ahead and watch it come back by the time this uh, episode airs they should have released all of the episodes from season one so you should have had plenty of time to binge watch it by now right. so dan lower decks what 
Wow. What's your opinions on it, bud? Let's let's start with that first of all. Oh, sure. Well, funny that you ask that because it, I don't recall where yesterday or, or, or today uh, that Gregor actually uh, posted a poll uh, as to whether folks might think he would like it or not. And, you know, I, I did answer that, you know, my answer was, Gregor, no, I didn't think that you would. Uh, but it is 100%. Um, I mean, just like all comedy, it is subjective to the viewer. Um, and so if you are open to the the comedy that it's trying to present and if you are willing to let it tell you a story because, surprise, there's a story in there, it's really good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, you know, and there's there's several episodes of, um, of some YouTube out there where uh, I got to talk about it quite a lot uh and it is um you know it's an enjoyable piece of star trek i really do i really do enjoy it oh uh yeah i mean i've um i've also been on youtube as well talking about lower decks uh with our mutual friend and fellow content creator um trek lad it yeah. was an absolute pleasure to be able to talk about lower decks with with him and uh yeah on one of my appearances on uh let's talk about lower decks i I distinctly remember doing a rather, rather good Larry the Cable Guy impression. Oh, did you? Um, oh, yeah. You want to? Yeah, you from that uh, again. You want to give that a go again? <laughs> uh, no, maybe <laughs> later. Maybe later when I finish this bourbon. Um, but yeah, I was uh, extremely excited about the fact that we got to see the Titan. Mm. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. And a certain Starfleet officer of a certain reputation, and by mentioning the Titan, you should know who that is. Oh, yeah. Our, Definitely. Our Commander Riker. Well, yeah. Captain, Captain Riker. <laughs> Captain Riker. Oh. So, yeah, I mean, on that note, one of the things personally I really enjoyed about Lower Decks was its ability to name drop um and reference star trek previous star trek current star trek whatever but do it in a way that was not um what's the word i'm trying to think of here well it was tongue-in-cheek but not disrespectful exactly yeah 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 i would agree with that and it was brilliant because it, it made i mean one of the things i loved about it was we got a little nod to uh miles o'brien Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, a really good one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was a fantastic reference. Uh, um, and, it, you know, I was a bit sceptical at first going into this. I was because as well. I thought, well, an animation. Now, the only other Star Trek animated Star Trek series we've ever had in the past was the original series animated uh, offering. And I have tried to watch it. <laughs> but it's not because I don't like it, because, I mean, it is really good. The, it, the stories are, are really good uh, from the episodes that I have seen. It's just that style of animation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, I mean, it's of its time. Mm. Um, it's, not, it's not the best at all. It's not aged well. It's not aged well. If the stories would work if they redid it in mod, with using modern, up-to-date animation techniques. Right. I think it would. I think it would hold up in that. But then again, some people like the the old retro 
I mean, I know people who will only watch the original Scooby-Doo's, for example, or the original Tom and Jerry's. They don't like the new animations or the, you know, each to their very own. Uh, right. But on, having said that, when uh, going back to my point, when Lower Decks was announced, I was like, okay, I'm a little excited because it's something different. I wasn't sure what I was going to get. And when I found out it was the same people who worked on Rick and Morty, I was like, okay, is it going to be that Rick and Morty-esque in its style? And, it's... and the only thing that's really follows over from that really is the animation style there's the style of the drawing the characters and stuff like that everything right, else is just that. spawn yeah in the artistic yeah. sense yeah and uh so and i had all of those you know i kind of felt the same way um uh, especially you know on the rick and morty side. i've not ever put a lot of uh time into that show i you know i i'm sure it would be fine if i did uh but um and again you know i've enjoyed uh the anime series uh but like you said it is a product of its time and it's definitely not for everyone but one thing lower decks did or does because it's still active and I'm currently in production uh but one of the things that it's done is um it's validated a lot of star trek lore uh because it is it is a canon show um, you know now, and that's the reason these things take place on a ship like the Cerritos out in these places that, you know, mainline uh, shows are not likely to touch. But what happens on the Cerritos and in the universe with the friends in lower decks actually takes place in the, you know, in the main Star Trek prime timeline. Um, and that's where, you know, Riker coming in to save the day that that happened in our history. And that could very well be referenced at some point in Discovery or some show in the future. Right. Uh, that event took place. Uh, but so much. And because of that, though, there are so many references and things that that come back up um that, that are borrowed from trek's rich lore uh that validate so much of us as fans um and i think shows that the show uh indicates that the show is being made by people who care who know and who enjoy star trek as much as we do and i think too we see more and more and more of that coming to the surface with modern trek and its production with folks like Noah uh, and the crew who have embraced the fandom to a degree that wasn't possible before outside of conventions, you know, let's give credit to, um, to the legacy cast and those folks who came before who have embraced us as fans at conventions and continue to do so on social media. But this current crop, you know, having grown up with us, some of them being our age and younger or about the same uh, and having come up on the internet, like we have and, you know, grown up and or adopted social media as adults. Um, they've embraced that as uh, a mechanism and, uh, you know, have taken to it and the lower decks cast um, included um, heck man. We were, I, I just happened to get mentioned in a, tweet about how great it is to be a, a crazy nut job star trek fan and someone commented and it wasn't even tagged uh someone commented that hey i heard you know that kind of the lower decks crew lurk around on the internet looking for conversation and if mike mcmahon didn't come by and give the side eye eye look emojis man come on 
it was incredible. And uh, so I responded with, you know, Mariner doing the doing the conspiracy board. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's that interaction that lets you know that they're having a good time. And I feel like they're having a good time for us or with us, more importantly. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if we had those jobs, oh, my God, we would be just like this. Right. I mean, they, yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, one of the one of the beautiful things about the the time in which uh, all this new Trek is being made, it, it means that it, the gratification for both the fans and the actors is almost instantaneous. Yeah. Um, and that can be a good thing because it means that they don't have to wait, especially for the international fans as well, which... Um, which when you talk about TNG, for example, we had to, um, it was, I was, I was, it was as I was growing up. So I didn't really, um, understand this, but my, my dad and friends of his age tell me that they had to wait almost even a year Uh after it was originally released in the U S before, um, the likes of the BBC, for example, started to show um, episodes of TNG on UK television. And even then, it wasn't even in chronological order. <laughs> a bit oh, like... So it's what they could get when they could get it, I guess. Pretty, pretty much. It's a bit like the Sci-Fi Channel now, you know, and um, I don't know if it does the same in the States, but when the Sci-Fi Channel here in the UK, um, it airs episodes of Star Trek, and they're like, oh. This is the, say, for example, Voyager Year of Hell. You thought, oh, it's a Year of Hell part one, right? I'll get into watching that. Okay, so usually they put two together. So they'll put two Star Trek shows together. So it'd be like Voyager Deep Space Nine or TNG and in various different orders. So you'd start watching the Year of Hell part one. I thought, right, brilliant. Okay, next episode of Voyager. It's not even the same season. It's not, <laughs> you know, it's like, if you're going to put a two-parter on, put the second parter on after the first parter and, but. It's like no, no one's they, paying attention. No, they're just going right and there's that one and that one. <laughs> and they just oh. throw it out there. Come on, Sci-Fi Channel, sort it out. You know, if you're going to play them, play them in order. Um, for pizza. Yeah, I mean, God, I mean, even, I mean, unless you, depends on which system you use, because if you use the Netflix system, it's different from the DVD system. It is, you're right. Um, so uh, which I, they count the, well, sometimes they count the longer pilot, two-part pilots as one episode, depending on which service you look at or which disc you put in. Um, but yeah, um, it's uh, it's it's such a great time to be a fan and have so much content right now, um, and and with lower decks coming to the UK or worldwide international market finally, uh, it's um, I I know so many people who tried really hard to stay unspoiled, and I know that it was probably difficult. Uh, if you manage to stay unspoiled, that is a superheroic effort, Grafo, to you, um, because uh, some of us just couldn't keep our mouth shut long enough. And it's, it, you know, it's oh. been six months now. It's been six months now, and um, it, that that's you know that's unfortunate. And hopefully, with the upcoming rollout of Paramount Plus uh, and the worldwide availability of it, that won't be. Uh, something that we have to really uh, fuss with 
what I'd like to see is day and date with, uh, you know, when it drops uh, in the U.S., as it were, uh, when Paramount sees fit that, that a new episode is available. It should be available everywhere uh, so that we don't even have to have the the 24 to 48 hour embargo and that we can embrace and enjoy all of our new Trek uh, together worldwide because, um, you know, that's, I mean, we're here, we are six hours apart right now. And you and I talking mm-hmm. about this across two continents and a very large ocean. Um, and so, you know, Trek is everywhere. It's, it's all over the globe. We have friends in Australia. We have friends in Hawaii. Um, you know, we have friends, um, in every part of the world, uh, and having to kind of tiptoe around and sidestep and the fact that we can't all enjoy it at the same time. That's, that's a silly problem to have. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that has been one of the major, um, the major issues for, uh, Star Trek fans here in the UK, and one issue I've always had with CBS is um, lack of empathy to fans outside of the U- uh, the US. Um, right. In the kind of antithetical when, to Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the the thing is, is like Lower Decks, for example, is a, is a is a perfect example. Now there have been many theories as to why it was never given an international. Um, distribution deal straight away. Um, now, clearly, this one has been debunked because it has been released on Amazon here in the UK. But some people believe that it was getting hold, held back because of the launch of uh, CBS, uh, or oh, sorry, Paramount Plus, right? Which we've known about for a little while. So a, f- a few people was like, "Oh, are they holding it back so it gets released on that?" Um. Obviously, that's now been debunked because we now have it on Amazon Prime here. So, but the thing is, is why, why didn't they release it at the same time? Because there have been so many people here that I've seen on Twitter, on Facebook, and other social media platforms that have been screaming out, "Why are we not getting it now? When are we going to get it?" That was the yeah, rhetoric right. of the whole way through, and, and unless you had a friend uh, like you know, who had, in in your case, like a Plex, or somebody had a VPN and knew somebody from the States that had a, you know, a a Netflix account there or a CBS Plus, whatever. Uh, Means in order to legally, I might add, watch it, then you missed out. And that, that sort of... It's a little bit of a... Not a kick in the teeth, but it's a little bit... Come on, CBS. I mean... You know, not all of Star Trek fans live in the United States. There are, there are it's a worldwide, a huge exactly. worldwide phenomenon. Exactly. Which is brings brings me on to my next point, which is Paramount Plus is a it's a good thing that is going to be a worldwide, um, a worldwide streaming platform. Right. Brilliant. However. Does that mean that all Star Trek will now be exclusively released on Paramount Plus? Meaning that people with Netflix accounts or Amazon accounts would have to either pay for uh-huh. their Star Trek on, if you get where I'm, you see where I'm going with this, right? Um, or well, would they have to the to US buy... model? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. Personally, I think it's a great. It would be a great thing to have everything in one place to have all of the. And it's not just Star Trek. It's going to be everything that Power Man does. Um, everything that Power Man has done. Yeah. Yeah. So there's going to be so much content, and I think to be perfectly honest with you, if they if they put on the content free to stream to subscribers, then I think this is going to be well worth well worth the money. Right. Personally, because um, CBS, Paramount, and Viacom, in their various forms over the years, have done some brilliant, brilliant TV, film, etc., etc. Well, and uh, it's nice to have it all under one roof. One roof. And and I will say this: as uh, I, you know, I have been a CBS All Access subscriber since the drop to watch Star Trek Discovery. Um, and I kept it after the free trial and I kept it after discovery went on hiatus. Uh, and I have subscribed consistently since day one. I've never not paid for a subscription to CBS all access. Uh, I also pay the premium to have it without commercials because, uh, screw that. I hate commercials. (laughs) Uh, and you know, if I mean, there's, I mean, I'm, I, I, subscribe to Patreon so that I can have the commercial free and then I'll listen to the commercial version anyway, just so that creators get credit for the play. Uh, but anyhow, you know, I, I, I am not down for that. So if, a, if the service offers a commercial free tier, uh, I have the idiot disposable income to pay for it. And I will, um, I, I, I mean, adding another subscription service for me is, it, it's like it's almost too dumb to that it should i mean it should i should make more of a decision out of it than i do uh i just get them uh except for peacock i haven't paid for that but we you know we have most of that through hulu so whatever anyway the point is i've paid for cbs all access uh since the beginning um and it's only ever gotten better okay uh there's only been more content added uh, more um, of the CBS and Viacom channels, properties like BET and MTV and Nickelodeon um, and, and Avatar and, you know, Quora uh, have all come uh, to there. Uh, and so for, you know, what I'm saying is the, the value has continued to add to that subscription for the same price. And I don't anticipate that price changing when it becomes Paramount Plus. Uh, and I do anticipate the the library of content to to grow, um, and it will be nice to have all of my Trek content in one place because I I expect that all of the movies will now be available uh, in one place. Uh, but I hope too that they stay available on other platforms. Trek here in the states is available on. Uh, Netflix uh, for the shows. Mm-hmm. Now, this is only the TV shows. You can get the shows on Netflix. Um, you can get the shows on Hulu. And you can get the shows on Amazon Prime, all as part of those subscriptions. Um, and we, I have those subscriptions. We have those subscriptions as a family for uh, other shows. Uh, and, you know, Amazon Prime comes with the shipping and all the other benefits. So we're, ha- we're we have those services regardless. So, um, you know, it's nice to have Trek no matter where I am. Uh, now, the films tend to be some here, some there. 
but on the average, it, you can find all of them available through either CBS or through Hulu or through Amazon. They're never the movies are never on Netflix in the states. Um, but also, I no, own they're, them all. they're not on. They're not on. Um, they're not on Netflix here. They they were for a, a little while. Oh, so Netflix there was a period. It's just the shows, yeah. you, but it also includes some. It includes Discovery, but not Picard, right? Not Picard, no, because we've got because uh, the. I mean, this is the weird thing: is that Discovery is Netflix, uh, yeah. but Picard was given to Amazon for the international distribution. And now, right. Discovery is a CBS All Access in the US, isn't it? They're, they all are. So Picard, Discovery, Lower Decks, it's all under CBS All Access here. Uh, and one cool thing is uh, I logged in the app today uh, on my TV and it um, it was promoting Paramount Plus and front and center was our uh, latest uh, captain and queen of Trek, uh, uh, Michael Burnham, uh, Senequa Morton Green. Uh, on the main on the main menu there, and I thought, uh, what a treasure, what a treat to see that promoting that is, yeah. front and center, yeah, with SpongeBob and Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get it all. Now, in there. just seeing as you've seen as you've um, seen as you've actually brought that up, um, we'll 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 work our way back around to lower decks, folks. Uh, bear with us; we're going a long way around. Um, yeah, um, now. I love the fact that Burnham is finally in the captain's chair. Yes. Okay. Um, we, I mean, Burnham's always been one of the centre characters in the Discovery story arcs, but it's always been difficult, I think, to have that character as a secondary character in the sense of a first officer or a demoted first officer and uh, um, a commander and stuff like that it's i think it's difficult given the way star trek's worked all these years to have that central character as a subordinate instead of a captain uh, i mean like i say examples picard janeway um cisco they've all been core characters in their respective programs but they've held a central rank a high rank so I think now for season four, I think it'll go forward a lot better than it has done because Michael will be in the hot seat calling the shots. Well, so and I, I think I one think, thing that I, I think agrees with that is is there's been this we want this we want the show to be about the ship and its and the captain, right? And yes. we had a show about two different people that we loved. We have Discovery, uh, the ship that we love, and Michael, the person that we love. And they were competing for our attention um, when they shouldn't have had to. The and, 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 you know, bravo to them for trying because, um, you know, I get why they wanted to. We needed maybe the first three seasons for everyone to come to cheer for Michael and grow to love her um, and and want this badly enough for her that when it's a reward for all of us, right? Um, that she's now the captain mm -hmm. and we get this mating, I think, of, of our quote unquote, you know, traditional Trek storytelling, if you'll pardon the pun vehicle uh, with the captain and the, and the ship uh, doing the thing. So um, yeah, excellent point.
I mean, it, I mean, it's a it's a good um, it's a, I think it's a good example of the hero uh, story, mm-hmm. um, where they lose everything, they fall from grace, and they build themselves back up. Um, so at the start, Burnham was potentially going to be a captain of her own ship, and as we all know, everything went peak tong. She basically fucked up, you yeah. know. I mean, that's it. I mean, we're all, we, and I think, to be honest with you, a lot of people, that's a sticking point for a lot of people, but I don't mind it because it, it shows the humanity. It shows that heat of the moment humanity where she she, dis, she, she made the decision in the moment and that had the domino effect that led to uh, the war and everything else that came thereafter. Now, that brings me nicely onto. Go for it. I was going to say, what she did when we started with her, uh, the Battle of the Binary Stars, uh, that was a that was a live moment. Kobayashi Maru, right? Her, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Her, you know, she was in a no-win scenario, knowing that the outcome was going to be disastrous. Either way, but she, you know she had information, didn't share it in the best possible way. Um, but you know, it, in that moment, the, no different than the Kirk we know who cheated to win the test. She just happened to be in an actual test, uh, uh, you know, the actual scenario, and the outcome was you know untenable. Mm, I mean. The, the one thing I will I, I want to say as well is now I want to stress um, from the start that this isn't a dislike of Burnham's story or Burnham's character. Oh gosh, no, because no, no, I, no. I, I do like the story and I like the I like the character. I've I've liked you know maybe there's been a few moments at the start where I wasn't too keen, but as she's grown through the seasons, um, I've grown to appreciate and like her more. Now, as I said before, I am glad she's in the captain's chair because that that is where she should have been early on. What I don't agree with is the manner in which she ended up there. Now, let me elaborate on that. Repeatedly through the last three seasons, she's been insubordinate. She's gone rogue. She's made decisions and uh, that have been both correct but in the wrong at the wrong time and incorrect at the right time, so forth and so you know so on. And it's it's not it's not the way I would it's not something I would have have done myself personally, in respect of that she was insubordinate to Saru and she ended up being his uh, his first officer, and then she went insubordinate again and lost that. And then she did something off her own back again and then ended up becoming captain. Right. Now, is she the best person for the job? Definitely. Now, more to Tilly. God, I love Tilly's character. But Tilly isn't ready for the captain's chair just yet. But we haven't found out who is going to be Burnham's first officer. So with a bit of luck, it will be Tilly. I would like to see that. I would love to see that. With an now, extra pillar. The reason why I say I'm not. Too. Definitely. Oh, of course, of course. 
Now, the reason I say I'm not happy with the way Burnham ended up in the captain's chair is because, for me, there is an, an element of rewarding bad behaviour, if that makes I mean, any sense. It does feel like that, too. But there was also a, yeah, a wide passage and that's not a criticism. Right. It's not a criticism. Um, it's just an observation. But that being said, the whole... The whole story arc has, has proven that she has developed as a person. And that's the thing we need to concentrate on is Michael Burnham as a person, as a character, has developed. Um, the decision was that we, she's grown a lot and that's the most important thing. And that is something that a lot of people seem to forget. And a lot of people concentrate on the point I just made about the way she became captain. That's, it's a sidebar, but it's not the main the main point. The, like I say, the main point is the character development, and that's what's most important. Um, and I is feel that, that I a lot of people would say uh, they say growth is not linear. You know, you don't go, you don't grow in a straight line. No, no, definitely. I mean, I mean, let's be honest with you. I mean, we could all say through personal experience that we've been up and down. Uh, left and right and uh, you know we've all done things that we think mm, okay maybe I shouldn't have done that yeah but I'll go over again we've I shown do that, right? <laughs> exactly but the thing is is we've all done these things and we've all shown redemption and that's what that's what Burnham's story has done it's shown that yeah you're going to make shitty decisions you know and as the Admiral said in the last episode, you know, you, you did it your way. It wasn't the way we, you know, paraphrasing a little bit, it wasn't the way they would have done it, but believed to be the right way, but her way turned out to be the correct way. You know, right. um, exactly. like I said, paraphrasing a little bit, but, you know, words to that effect. So, yeah, brilliant. Burnham's in the captain's chair. I would have... I would have done it uh, a lot differently. Um, Maybe a half a season more of, of uh, being straight laced. Yes, yes, <laughs> I think. Maybe not half a season. Maybe a couple of a couple of episodes into into season four, maybe. Yeah. But the the thing that sort of brought me to that train of thought was the fact that okay, we've got the last episode. The last twenty minutes or so was have felt a little bit rushed. And what I didn't like, and this is the main point of why I, I don't like how she got there, was the unceremonious, you know, dethroning of Saru as captain. It, it felt so, and it. Where was the handover? Where was the classic liking? True. Uh, yeah, he was. He was narrated out of the, and it would have been nice to see a, you know, uh, I stand relieved moment. Yeah, uh, a, a goodbye scene, you know, because there's yeah. that love between uh, and Burnham, and it would—I think it would have made—it would have made a difference to me had we seen that. I am relieved. I, you know, I relieve you. I'm, I am oh. relieved, and then that oh, lovely moment of. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's such a I nerd mean, thing, though. I mean, honestly. <laughs> I hope they rectify that in season four, to be honest with you. I hope we get to see um, maybe a flashback to the reason. Uh, I mean, we know he's gone to Kaminar. 
yeah. Um, well, so we know awesome. where he is. It's just uh, from a fan point of view, I would have liked to have seen that that sort of that handover because then it's like it's closure. Saru's story on board the uh, Discovery. Uh, now, I will say this: one thing I have been really impressed with with Discovery is the fact that they're not afraid to take risks. I mean, uh, with the, the show. Um, I mean, one of the points that um, brings me to that was you, you've had him on your show recently, uh, Noah or um, Rin. Yeah. You know, the my, my new favourite Andorian. <laughs> um, but I tell you what, you know something? It says a lot about both Noah's acting, uh, Noah's story, and the, the way they put it all together that even though we only saw him a few times when he was shot on the bridge and disintegrated, I was like, Ugh. Oh, it was a big gut uh, for well, sure. Back up. Um, and I don't know whether, I mean, I don't like that as a trope, to be perfectly honest with you. They get a character, you start to like it, Straight away, it's a pop, you know, and a popular character, and then just go bye, bye. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't like that, but it does show how good that character was. And again, it was another unceremonious, unexpected departure of a of a character. Right. Um, and. Excuse me, I've kind of lost train of thought there a little bit. I'm, I'm just, I'm getting all emotional about the loss of Noah. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll tell you, um, uh, you know, with Saru, one thing that I, or a couple of things that I, I do uh, appreciate about what we saw, what even that brief, um, you know, glimpse of Kent him and and uh, Sakul on Kaminar, um, <laughs> is that. You know, you saw that thriving, that thriving metropolis of a city on the bay um, that wouldn't have been there, you know, lest Saru had liberated his people. Right. And, um, you know, you, you recognize a thousand years worth of civilized growth. And then, you know, Saru has the surrogate um, family now to replace what he lost or sacrificed with his sister uh, when he, you know, when he made the trip into the future uh, for Burnham. And so we see, you know, they 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 show us so much uh, about um, that story in such a little bit of time uh, that uh, both times I think it's been now that I've watched that. It's just that's captured me. Uh, both just in the imagination with, um, you know, what an impactful scene, just a small scene that advanced city on the bay was to just kind of sell the point that, you know, recall Kaminar has has thrived uh, in a blink of an eye for Saru uh, and to, you know, what an what a of course you would want to go home for a little bit, I think. Um, but we know Doug's back in season four. Uh, that's, that's a fact. And so we know that we'll get some, uh, something with Saru. I, it would be probably a little weird to see him come back as a subordinate on discovery to Michael, but, um, we don't know, I guess. Uh, well, we can, we can only, 
we can only sit and hope and and wait and see what happens with that one really maybe we we'll get um, to see another think, ship uh here and there you know oh yeah i mean maybe we'll see another uh, another ship of kamina um i mean that's um a different conversation for a different time is the fact that the federation um has a certain style of ships but you know maybe you know i, I would love to see more common would you say Kaminarian or Kaminar what, or how yeah, would you say that? Yeah, I would say, say Kaminarian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Kaminarian ship, maybe you know. Um, let's see. Let's see some of those in season four. I mean, um, embrace I'm these like diversities of design. Well, it's oh, like when definitely. you go back and look at uh, Enterprise, and they showed early, uh, you know, the Andorian uh, and the Vulcan uh, ships designs, and then you know the the standard uh, hull saucer nacelle design took over Starfleet, and there were no, you know, there were no um, there were no uh, influences in design technology for centuries. It would seem now we get these vastly. Uh, different and 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 imaginary uh you know just these these imagination uh spanning starship designs from from uh discovery this season uh you know like the just the, the colony for rainforest ship uh the the way that the the uss nog looked um oh I mean, even the Voyager J, as familiar as that uh, silhouette was, there was so much different about it that you're just boggled, right? I mean, I loved the the USS Nog. Yeah. Um, now, it did have a hint of Ferengi about shape and the design. It felt like a little bit of Ferengi, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I love that. Now... As for the Voyager J, now, I think there was a little bit of fan service there in oh, respect sure. of they, oh, kept, they kept the shape. They kept the, the, the style and, the, and the, the form of the original Voyager. But, and it's an intrepid you know, class. Just changed it. They kept the class. Yeah, give it, a, give it a, uh, an angle. I mean... I would have liked to have seen maybe a little bit more flair with it, maybe. You know, I mean, it's like, for example, I'll give you an example of why I think that should that be done. Uh, the Enterprise D, the, the Enterprise D to the Enterprise E. Okay, still the Enterprise, but a completely and utterly different design. A new design and a beautiful one at that. So. Right. That many years into the future, and they haven't really changed the design of or given the name to a different, a new class of ship. Is that a bad thing? No, but like I said, I I, I loved it. Don't get me wrong, but I would have liked to have seen, you know, some imagination, a new design completely. Um, I would have liked to have seen maybe, uh, you know, an Enterprise maybe. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, they could be on like um, now. What would they be on that far into the future? It wouldn't be J, would it? It would be maybe L or M or something, maybe. So you know, I mean, it could be still. Here's my. I would like to know uh, the fate of the Enterprise J. Uh, speaking of uh, ships that, so you you know you you go from the D to the E, and I had a hard time coming to like. Uh, the E, and now I love it. 
Um, it's one of my, uh, it's like one of my favorite enterprise designs. Uh, nothing's going to top the refit constitution, uh, but we could talk about that on a whole podcast. So, uh, but, but the, uh, um, you know, the J could conceivably, uh, have been in service at the time of the burn. Uh, and I would expect then that would mean that it was probably destroyed by the burn. Um, but I would like to know for sure, uh, because if it weren't destroyed, it could then also conceivably still be in service uh, in our uh, in the future we are witnessing. Um, because uh, a ship that size designed for what it was intended for uh, would have a centuries long service life. Um, the galaxy class mm -hmm. was intended to be in service for a century uh, at least uh, before refit. And we know that ships like the Miranda class and the Excelsior class uh, served for century plus uh, lifespans. And we're talking much more advanced ships, design materials, availability uh, and the size of the J alone that that ship is uh, uh, beyond uh, vast. Uh, it's it's quite mm -hmm. large. The nacelles are a uh, kilometer long uh, themselves. So uh, if that tells you, gives you a sense of scale. Um, if you didn't know, now you know. Uh, uh, so, I mean, it's a universe class ship for the for Christ's sake. It was meant, I think it was, I, I, you know, this is all speculation. I like to think about this stuff because I'm a huge Trek nerd. Um, but, you know, I like to, with a name like the universe class, I, I anticipate that ship was intended to, to traverse interstellar space uh, as a generational ship to literally, you know, maybe um, uh, search and, and, and uh, explore other galaxies. Uh, so maybe it's out there somewhere uh, uh, away from what the burn could have affected. Who knows? We don't know that the well, burn traveled throughout the entire galaxy. Well, that's it. I mean, on on the subject of the burn, I mean, I was a little disappointed to find out the reason for the burn. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason I'm disappointed is that me and a couple of friends had this theory, theory, theory. I'll edit, I'll edit the correct ones in and the, and the incorrect ones out on that. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, I had this theory that um, the, when Burnham sent the Red Angel back through the wormhole, mm -hmm. that it never made all the way back to where it should have been, that the calculations were off or something happened and it landed... 900 years in the, into the past or whatever, or however many years into the past that the burn was, sorry. Right. And exploded, self-destructed, and it was self-destruction of the Red Angel that caused the burn. And I found that was a reasonably popular theory. And then when it wasn't, I thought, oh, okay, I was proved wrong. But happily, because I did like the story with Thrill. Uh, I did too. Uh, so cold, sorry, no, yeah. sort of, uh, so cold. Um, I don't know why I said so cold, but uh, that's the. Um, I'll edit that bit out. Um, so, yeah. 
Well, I I liked the I liked the story with the burn uh, as well because it it was so very Star Trek, um, you know, in the in its yeah. uh, the blending of of an emotion with um, some you know not even I mean organo techno babble in a lot of ways because you know the idea that. Um, you know, and well, and, and you know, it, 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 it blends in a sense of symbiosis, uh, that has been prevalent in Trek that, you know, you and your environment are intrinsically connected, uh, is not, mm-hmm. is not an, uh, unfamiliar theme. We, I mean, le, uh, in, if you want to argue, I would ask you to go watch Star Trek four and then come back to me, uh, because that's kind of the message is that, um, you know, you, you and your environment, uh, are symbi- uh, symbiont, right? Uh, and yeah. and for uh, Sokol to be, um, you know, to be, he developed on that planet uh, and and had that connection because of, you know, a, it basically it was a radio amplifier uh, in the subspace, and that kind of, you know, his grief was so powerful that the galaxy heard him cry. And it was unfortunate what the result of that was, but I mean that is that is a very um, empathetic something that you can something that you can uh, empathize with when you mm-hmm. feel when you feel pain like that you want to be heard and you want someone else to feel that pain with you and. You know what? An, what an ultimate expression of that, an unfortunate ultimate expression of that that um, the burn was. Uh, but I found it satisfying, mostly because of the way they told the story um, through you know the connection with Saru, um, uh, the way we got to see Gray manifest uh, and and be welcomed and embraced by um, by uh, uh, Hugh uh, with you know just it was it was all of it paid off for me um plus we got to see some serious space fight pew pew man (laughs) i mean on the subject of gray i loved that moment i loved it so much because of what it was a metaphor oh yes yes i mean it was the it was the metaphor of all the people that have been looking for recognition, representation, for just to be seen as being there, as being a human being, as being physically there and recognised by people around them. The fact that Grey was a hologram and that Hugh could see her and everybody else could see her and all that, that was the perfect metaphor for what everybody's been trying to do and I, I think that's brilliant and that's how it should be everybody should be seen heard yep. you know the nobody should be pushed to one side or ignored because of their beliefs their sexual orientation their um their gender orientation whatever you know their geek orientation whatever <laughs> you know right some people like star wars okay that's fair okay. enough <laughs> It's all good, man. It's all good. Uh, No, that moment is incredibly powerful. And exactly what you said. Um, And, you know, one, 
Yes, that that recognition of representation, but also in a very literal, you know, the metaphor is as powerful as the very literal statement of Star Trek as a franchise, you know, with our questionable uh, but well-intentioned history of trying to provide representation uh, an episode at a time. Um, But, you know, Trek literally coming to the front and saying, we see you now too, um, you know, uh, and and just in the story, and that I mean that was part of it. That uh, just one emotional punch after the other, um, and and you know, and kind of bringing it all home with with the cause of the burn, uh, and seeing you know getting to see so cool uh, grow through that too. It's great, it's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing whether we get a character development uh, from Sakul in season four. Oh, yeah, um, and uh, I'm actually looking forward to getting back to some not maybe not classic Trek in the uh, episodic sort of way, but the Trek that you know, there was you know, you've got your captain, you've got the decisions, you've got the alien of the week sort of moral dilemma style not exactly that exact trope but the style you know the way they used to do it and now that we've got burnham in the captain's chair we can get back to like you said earlier the ship and her well, captain. And I, I think too what and, we get now uh, is uh we've got a federation to put back together and so we can visit world's Theoretically, you know, technically worlds that we as the audience have never seen, but in the story could have been member planets of the Federation um, that we haven't known of that, you know, uh, Discovery goes to visit uh, to welcome back or or explain how, you know, we can uh, the Federation can can, you know, make amends. Um, So there's there's a whole, you know, there's a way to tell a connected art story, but also Mm -hmm. serve that like you said, that alien or visit of the week um, that we're, that we're used to or mix it in, you know, every other episode or something is a, is a new uh, couple of episode, you know, adventure to another place where we, where we welcome back or try to convince uh, our friends to come back and join us in the Federation. I don't know. Um, But yeah, I'm with (laughs) you. Uh, Some, some, some sort of that, um, you know, I don't want to call it traditional Trek, uh, because I do like the, I, I think, <clears throat> I feel that that's where Enterprise landed square uh, in the fourth season were these three, two to three episode um, arcs that were connected throughout the season. Uh, but, you know, you got a couple of three episodes that told a good, solid story that if you strung them together, you'd have a great little bit of a Trek movie, you know, mm-hmm. Uh Enterprise was killing that in the fourth season. Uh, and uh, something like that, uh, you know, with Strange New Worlds, with season four of Discovery, uh, would be would be great. And, you know, um, kind of like what are we going to see with season two uh, of Lower Decks? Because, you know, at the end they split up. Uh, are we going to follow uh, uh, Mariner on one side yeah. and Boimler on the other? I mean, uh, you know, is because that I, I, I don't want to see any of those characters change out. You know, I want I like the team. I, that doesn't mean that they have to be on the same ship because that could provide some very interesting, unanticipated storytelling dynamic 
for for that show as well. I I think that we will get. And by the way, just before I make this point, nice segue back onto lower decks. House. I'll I'll be honest. I had a whole little skit ready. Um, basically uh, referring to getting into a turbo lift and making our way through the TARDIS back to lower decks. <laughs> um, and I think you know what I'm getting at with that particular reference there. Um, oh, you mean the vast internal space that exists inside <laughs> of the starship? I have no idea. Honestly, oh. what the actual... <laughs> anyway, that's a different one. But yeah, back to lower decks. Um, personally, I think we're going to see Boimler back on the Cerritos or um, maybe the other way around. Oh, we see. Uh, you know, wouldn't it be fun to get a little time on the Titan? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I think, I mean, we, I, I I think to be we honest, hold ourselves think, in, but yeah. I mean, Mariner going, Mariner getting staged. I think she misses. I mean, you see in the last episode, she she misses Boimler. She's messaging him like crazy, right. and he's ignoring right. her. I wouldn't put it past Mariner to actually get transferred to the Titan just so she can just so she can be back to annoy Boimler because I think she secretly fancies Boimler. Oh, I, I think, don't I think, doubt that at all. I think I think there's definitely something going to go on in that one. Or I think the more plausible theory is Boimler, as per his character arc from season one, will probably fuck it up and end up back on the Cerritos. Yeah, you know, that is probably the more likely <laughs> scenario, honestly. Um, but, you know, when... Let's hope for maybe one or two episodes with some with some sweet uh, uh, Troy Riker uh, cameo uh, action because oh definitely you know I I tell people um, one thing that you one thing that you get with Lower Decks that you probably don't expect is an arc uh, there is there you know there is character growth throughout the season and, but it does it in that classical Trek way. Um, you know, here's 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 uh here's something. Uh, you can actually you can catch people actually saying that there's no um you know there's no character building of Data and Picard and their friendship through the seasons of TNG. And I'm sorry, but if you haven't watched TNG a lot, then you, maybe you don't notice it. But it's I mean it's blatant there. Oh, it's uh, that. It's it's, oh, it's it, definitely that. Yeah. And it's the same, they build that in the same way in Lower Decks in a very short amount of time uh, because, you know, you don't need episode one to watch episode five. But if you watch them one through five, episode five is a much better reward uh, because of the growth that you start to see. And by the time you get to the end, um, you you want everything to pay off, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you hear the music and you see the Titan and and then you see the ass whooping and it is it is glorious. Did you uh, did you fanboy out when the Titan turned up? Oh, I think I woohooed out loud and it was early in the morning here when it, you know, um, and, and then and then the way it closes out, you know, with the. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> to the two, four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> oh, that was. Louisiana. Oh, not this again. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I love and, that. And, and you know, and that's canon. So that is how, you know, Bur- Burnham has Let's Fly. And, and Riker has, you know, you just got to imagine that if it's just, you know, if it's a low warp, it's like to the tune of warp one. <laughs> I mean, on, on that subject, I a lot there's been mixed reactions to Burnham's tagline. Right. I kind of like it. I like it. I think uh, it has that, um, it has that, that, it really suits it. It really suits the discovery. It does. It, it does, really, that too. Yeah, it fits the ship and it fits the captain in this case. Burn. It was the delivery too, and I mean that with the fact that That's it's the fun. way it's the way she said it. But then, like her smile takes over the entire screen as it as she says it, and you can't help. I mean, if you can't uh, smile with uh, Senequa Martin Green, then I don't know what. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, well, she's, yeah. I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this much, right? Um, as I'm recording this, I record this in my bedroom. On my wall, I have a wall of fame, which includes my current um, record of the Star Trek celebrities that I have met over the last couple of years. And... The only, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of grinning in most of them, but there's a photograph from Destination Star Trek here in the UK from 2018 where I met Sonequa Martin Green. And honestly, the smile on my face and on hers is beaming. Yeah. She is I, the I most wonderful that. human being. The most wonderful human being. I was nervous as hell. She was the first photo shoot I had scheduled for that weekend, and as you go, uh, as you go into the, I mean, I don't know if this is the same at Las Vegas or not, but the you go into a cubicle, which is probably in maybe 30, 40 feet across by thirty forty, you know, so say say forty feet by forty feet, maybe maybe more, depending on um, how the setup is, and you would queue outside, and then you would queue inside around the wall of the cubicle. And you'd move down the line and you'd get closer and closer and closer to, you know, the actor that you're getting the photo, in this case, Sonequa. And I was like, really getting nervous. I was like, okay, okay, um, I'm going to meet Sonequa Martin Green. Being a Walking Dead fan as well, this was a big moment for me as well. Oh, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm getting closer and getting closer and I'm, I'm like, but as I'm, I'm watching everybody go through, now... She does this thing where she greets, and I mean this sincerely, she greets everybody individually. And what I mean by that is that every person she will interact with differently, she will do something different, she will say something different. Um, And she has this uncanny ability to put people at ease. Now, I was, like I say, nervous, and I was still nervous when I got to the front of the queue and it got to my turn. And to be honest with you, I'm one of those people where I just stand in the stand straight, try not to, you know, make any funny noises or anything like that, (laughs) smile, get a photo, and 
and leave. And I had no intention of doing anything. I just had the intention of going in, standing next to her, cheesing, and then away I went. But she put a hand on my shoulder and just simply with a small tug down, so like just putting a little bit of pressure on just to drop my shoulder, the next thing I know, I'm picking up my photograph from the printer and I'm doing the Vulcan salute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she's doing the Vulcan. She's doing the Vulcans. Uh, the Vulcan hello. I'm doing the Vulcan hello on the boat. And I, and it dawned on me that when she put her hand on the shoulder, it was almost as if she was directing me into the more relaxed. And I must have like seen what she was doing and then done the same thing. <laughs> but it was all of, you. You 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 didn't have a, a recollection of it all happening, did you? No, no. I mean, you know, once I started to sort of come to terms, I was like, yeah, that really, I mean, it, it happened. But she is a, a beautiful, beautiful human being, both physically and personality-wise and emotionally. She is a beautiful person. So much, much love to Sonequa and to the character of, you know, Burnham. And, you know, some people give her a bit of stick for the character, and I think that's completely unjustified. You don't have to like the character, but some people do give it a little bit too too much, which, you know, that's a whole different conversation for a whole different oh, time. Sure. You know what I mean? But, yeah, I mean, she's a, one, like I say, a wonderful, wonderful person. So I'm actually sort of fanboying out there. I apologise to the... That's all right. <laughs> when the world just... gets back to normal and we can go to conventions again, I intend to to catch up and meet uh, so many, not only uh, of the of the Trek folk themselves, but our Trek family from uh, the Twitterverse that, uh, you know, as, yeah, this, as this thing drags on across the world, this, this pandemic, um, you know, just one of these days it's going to happen. Uh, and, um, you oh, know, there's... It was definitely... There's talk of Trek Vegas, uh, you know, uh, or I think it's uh, there's something happening in August. Um, Star Trek Las Vegas maybe is what it is. But there's folks talking about doing that. Um, We'll see. I don't know if that's going to be soon enough uh, or safe enough. But, hey, um, if it is, uh, I'll do my best to be there. But, you know, there's just so much pent up uh energy mm-hmm. to for us to interact right now um and oh, yeah. things like this you know being able to talk to to our friends on podcasts or interact with these folks on twitter is a a nice bridge but oh my goodness when the day comes that we're let loose <laughs> <laughs> i mean let's be honest with you i mean as a as a final as a final note um However long this takes, it will take as long as it needs to take to make sure that the world is safe, that we're all safe and we can all come back and meet each other again. Um, I don't like to get political on the podcast, but I do want to say um, congratulations. I know it's going to be, he's going to be in office now at least well over a month by the time this uh, podcast airs, but Mm -hmm. uh, you know, to Joe Biden. Um, I mean, day one in the office, and he was straight to work. Yep, straight to work dealing with COVID. So hopefully, by the time this episode airs, things will start to be making progress. There'll be some so, uh, 
I yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, so hopefully, like I say, folks, this thing's not going to disappear straight away. It's not going to disappear overnight. Um, just because maybe restrictions or um, have been lifted and things start to improve a little bit, don't immediately think that it's all over and done with. Just nope. keep maintaining safety, looking after yourselves, keeping healthy, washing your hands, all that sort of thing. Because this, the more we do that and the more we continue to do that, the safer it will be when we do get to meet up again. And, the um, sooner, yeah. and as soon as it is possible, yeah, as soon as it's possible, even if I have to swim across the Atlantic, I am going to buy <laughs> you a drink, Mr. Decker. <laughs> I look forward to that for sure. Um, so, as always, and to steal a phrase from your good self and your wonderful podcast, Bad Choices and Bourbon, the linear nature of time means we have to bring things to a close. Um, and just like yourself, I don't like to end things, so you will be back on again in the future. I would like to thank you for filling in for Mr. Cameron today. Um, people will miss him because some people do actually like him. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure that... <laughs> It's been an absolute pleasure actually having to uh, have a wee chat about Star Trek with your good self. Oh, my you pleasure. are a good friend um, and a wonderful human being. So, as always, I don't know who you are by now. The, what's, where have you been? Where have you been, oh, people? Yeah. Yeah, Dan, Decker, uh, Dan Decker is practically Twitter royalty right now, let's be honest. So, just in case somebody hasn't seen you before or doesn't know who you are, please. Let everybody know who you are, what you do, and what you're up to right now, please. Yeah, man. You can um, uh, find me and everything branches from uh, my Twitter uh, handle at D-A-N-D-E-C-K-R. Uh, find me as uh, the Commodore. Uh, like and subscribe uh, there, and you can find uh, my podcast, uh, Bad Choices in Bourbon, at Bourbon Bad on Twitter. Uh, and uh, that's I think that's the easiest way. Everything else kind of springs from there. Good man, good man. Um, and as always, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are more than welcome to follow us at Spock Week on Twitter, and you can also find my good self at Alva Android on Twitter as well. And if you are re- if you are returning listening to the podcast you already know where to find us but if you are new to the podcast go back have a listen to mr cameron the crabbit ginger and if you like his style and you want to follow him you can follow him at crabbit ginger on twitter we're also on facebook as well same handle at spock the week or at spock the week uh i'll just search spock the week and you will find our page follow us on there and we do try and keep up with the facebook page but we tend to be more twitter orientated than facebook orientated so we do apologize for for that but um but yeah thank you guys for listening if you like what you've heard and you want to say thank you or, or support us in any way you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash spock the week pod and you can buy us a pint you can buy as many as you like. You can subscribe if you wish, or you can just not do anything at all. It is up to you. Just keep coming back and listening to our show. That's what we appreciate the most. So on that note, it just leaves me to say live long and prosper. And from my good friend at Toadstuck Studios. Did I say that right? Yeah, that's us.
Oh, brilliant. Toadstock Studios in central Arkansas, United States of America. Six hours behind us. And let me tell you, Mr. Decker, it is not much better in the future. It doesn't get any better. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. Live long and prosper. Dan, would you like to say goodbye to the good people at home and we'll end right. it there. Live long and prosper, folks, and good night. Good night. Thank you for listening to Sparkler Week. Tune in next week for more Sparkler Week action and never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast on the catcher that you are listening to us on. If you want to follow us on Twitter, then you can find us at Sparkler Week. Drop us a message, tell us how we're doing, or make a suggestion. We're welcome to all input from all our fans. So don't hesitate to get in touch and follow us on Twitter and on our Facebook page as well. Why not join us in 10 Forward if you like what we do and want to say thank you? The link for our Buy Me A Coffee page is in the show notes. So please check that out and uh, hopefully we'll see you there. If not, we will see you next week. Live long and prosper. It's up to you. As long as you come back next week and listen to us once again, we'll be happy to have you back. Live long and prosper.